Hello, this is Ludus Session 1 with me, AT. Today I'm talking to Ian Thomas. Ian's the creative director of Bulldog Gear, the UK's leading supplier of strength and fitness equipment. He's got nearly 10 years of experience in the UK fitness industry, having designed and installed a huge number of the country's leading gyms, as well as providing equipment and resources to the home gym market, all of which we cover today. Ian's experience provides unrivaled value in this conversation and perhaps a perspective that most coaches, gym owners and fitness enthusiasts won't expect. And with that, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to Ludus, where we're in search of the philosophies, principles and practices of the miraculously successful. Here we will endeavor to identify, unpack and discuss the actions, habits and ethos fiercely successful human beings in an attempt to create clear, actionable advice for you to implement and experiment with on your own journey of self-improvement. You can begin to feel your own existence as absolutely fundamental. You got a dream, you got to protect it. Don't ever let somebody tell you you can't do something. Better, stronger, faster. Good morning, Ian. How are you, mate? Very well. You 18? Not too bad, thank you very much. Um, I think really and truly it's important firstly to address the sort of elephant in the room that is as we're recording this, we are 50 days deep into the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic, the lockdown and everything that's kind of meant and how that's impacted sort of the, the strength and fitness community. So I think a lot of things in this discussion moving forwards uh, are still going to be incredibly relevant, incredibly relevant to people looking to kind of start their start their like home gym journey, or as they continue on their sort of journey through physical culture. Um, and I, I really think actually a lot a lot of stuff that is not going to be relevant is going to be lessons learned moving forward. Yeah, and it, I, I think it's a conversation that we've had, and it's a conversation that a lot of people had that this is going to kind of impact how people train and people's thoughts on health and fitness and the gym in particular moving forward, which is why I think this is a good time to have this conversation about um, quote unquote home gyms. I think uh, importantly, first of all, what do you, what do you see as a home gym? When you think of home gym, what do you picture? Good question. Uh, Obviously I've, kitted out a lot of home gyms and probably now more in this sort of last two months than ever I've seen it's probably distorted my opinion on what a home gym was before before then you'd have had various uh budgets definitely big things to come by um I've got quite a personal uh I think you need to be sure as to what this space is going to be so what is a home gym for me can be completely defined by its environment. And I think that's the key part for people is for some people it's, it's internal, some people it's external, some parts part of the house, some people it's part of the garage. So a home gym is quite a broad spectrum of things. But what I do think is what you put in or don't put in is massively depicted on budget and space. I think it's a big thing is to answer in that. I can't really give it a sort of clear thing. My own personal approach would be slightly different to most others, but that's probably from experience. You know, we've been doing this for a very, very, very long time now. Done a lot of home gyms. I think um, space is probably the big, especially in the UK, 
we're not we're not in the US where you've got you know gyms gym sized garages in the UK we don't have that we're often in single garages and we're trying to pack as much as we can into that space which maybe isn't the uh, always the right thing to do in my opinion but you know from my opinion yeah it's it's definitely space dependent budget dependent yeah i find um obviously i've been in i've been in your garage and it's it's interesting for me because you could potentially have absolutely everything and and stuff that people haven't even got access to yet and you've got uh, a more sort of limited setup than than what i kind of had even starting out when i had my first garage um and do you think that is as a result of kind of doing so many garage gyms and getting feedback from those people and seeing what has worked and what people have kind of said, oh, maybe I wouldn't have had that moving forward, et cetera? Um, I mean, mine's a bit different. Um, it, even so, uh, my partner, she's a yoga teacher and a PT herself. So sort of a little bit of input from that. But most of the work was done prior to that in terms of when I first moved into the house. I think um, for me, it's like you've got to grow into the space. And so quite often you'll get people who have this big ambition that they want this all single dancing space. It's got to have a rack. It's got to have a bar. It's got to have an air bike. It's got to have everything. The reality is then you just fill this space with, with products that realistically, some of them aren't going to get used. I think my approach was basically coming back from that was to go well, put the floor down and then build from there. And then as time goes on, I've had like bits of samples like that lying around, you know, work. But on the whole, I treat, I treat it as um, it's probably depicted by my training um, more than anything. So I will pick bits of kit that I can get the most out of, but takes up the most least amount of space, if that makes sense. I think it's really important that for me, uh, I don't follow any programs. I would often go to the gym more than anything. I like the human interaction of the space. I like the, the engagement. I see it as a sports club more than anything. So for me, if I'm in the guys gym, it's because I can't get there and I can't make a class. So for me, that space over there is more about simply getting something done, which is going to give me you know, anywhere between strength cycle or a bit of a strength-based workout or a metcon i can go and pick and pick a you know a couplet or a triplet throw something together pick up a program from something pick up one of yours in particular and just throw it out there so i think that's massively changed the way that going back to the okay that's massively changed my space from the ground is that i didn't want to fill it with things and then not be used i'd rather add it and that's how it's sort of fallen really over the years yeah, right. Because you can you can add, but you kind of can't subtract, can you? Or I mean, I guess you can, but you you don't, and you do end up you or you very easily can end up with stuff in that space that you're just not using, and you're having to it, it almost you're in danger then of kind of overcrowding the environment, and when you when you're having to then put stuff away and pack stuff away because of space, you're going to find there's stuff that you just end up not using, and that's certainly something I find and it's something i speak to a lot of people about and i think your approach there um is 100 percent the right one you said something really interesting as well which was start start from the floor up and you you quite literally mean that don't you you mean put the yeah floor. i think flooring is probably the most un underrated or overlooked piece of kit 
because it really does set your space. You could have, you know, an empty garage, put some rubber flooring down, and instantly the smell of the rubber and the space of it feels like a gym. You feel like you're in a gym. You know, all of a sudden, that garage before, if, you, if I told you you're going to go do burpees on a concrete floor, you go, I've got no inclination to go do it. All of a sudden, you've laid some flooring down, and with a kettlebell or a dumbbell, some burpees, some press hooks, you know, you've got a space, you've got a gym, and I think it's all about creating an environment. Yeah, you transform the environment, haven't you? Yeah, you, you literally, if you, if you change the way that you see that space, your engagement with that space will change too. And for a lot of people, having a piece of kit may be the priority, whereas I would probably say, well, actually, if you get your foundations, you build from the ground up literally. And if you change that space and then build a piece of kit at a time, if, you, if, you, if you're tight on budget, you don't have to map the whole floor, just enough to you know, segregate, that's my workout area. That's a huge, huge benefit, I think, for a lot of people to then completely change their focus on how they're going to use that space. Yeah, I would say even just, um, and you, you obviously this is a conversation we've had for many years because I'm not, I'm not particularly, or I wasn't particularly that way inclined, and I was so used to um, kind of training wherever and not having access to the floor in that I kind of just didn't care. But having even just two one by one pieces of rubber matting that you can move around say the garden it does make a huge difference and it does give you so many options and I know I'm happy to do burpees on concrete but being able to then bring other people to my house and do workouts in the garden and stuff like that and have them a little bit more comfortable I can then see the see the value in that but one thing leading on from that we've we've kind of spoken there about creating a space and creating a purpose-built space and I think that is what a lot of people see when they think of a home gym and for me I do think sometimes that can be a, a kind of limiting picture in people's heads because they see a, a garage gym or they see you know some sort of summer house or a spare room that's been converted or something like that and training from home it doesn't necessarily mean you have to have a home gym um, does it? I mean, this must, this, you, you'll be as aware of this as I am from kind of dealing with, dealing with clients, but it, I don't think having a particular space is, needs to be a barrier. Would you agree? You don't need necessarily one set space that remains your gym forever. It depends how you are like, as a like, person, like for me, I'm very much about designated space to designate things. You cook in your kitchen, you know, You'll watch TV in the living room. The garage has become the gym. That's where you go. But for some people, it's not about that. Like some people don't have that luxury. So we can't just say that because you don't have a garage, you you have no gym, the park, whatever. As long as you can be feel comfortable in that space, a little bit of kit, anywhere anywhere can be a gym. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anywhere. And I think you, you, when we did your not your gym membership, it was sort of to try and build on that sort of premise that you, you know you don't need a lot, but you could spend staggered amounts over a period of time and build that arsenal of kit that could take with you in the back of your car, and you can go anywhere. You can hang something, you can swing something, and you've got something on the ground to press against. You you, you know you're pretty much doing pull, push, hinge, squat. That's it. You you can do anything. Yeah. 
I think that that's the it's not the kit that makes the gym it's not the the room that makes the gym it's the work you're doing that makes the gym isn't it and the the effort that is necessary on your part then is to create the environment whether that be physically or whether that be mentally and just you know creating a way in which you can get engaged with working out with what you've got where you are and certainly things like having the floor having you know if you've got a room that you can open up the door and say this is where I work out that's one thing or if you've got those couple of bits of matting and you know this is a conversation I've been having a lot with people recently if you've got something that you can drag out be that you know be that into your garden or you know be something that you can roll out in your living room and when that's out it's time to train like there's no other reason for that matting to have been dragged out uh, you know e even if all you're going to do is press ups and burpees you've gone through a very simple motion that didn't require didn't require you any motivation or you know any much hard work to drag that bit of matting out but once it's out you're going to train because you you've created that environment i think that is that's really important i think that's what people need to kind of see and engage with rather than starting at the end and picturing the big kitted out garage gym and i think it's something we're seeing a lot on social media at the moment with uh you know people might be posting their workout videos and I, and they've got you know they've got a fair bit of kit or they've got a garage gym etc and I, I can understand how that can be disengaging for some people they can very much get into that mindset of oh you know it's all right for you you've got blah 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 i think like on that social media point though, at the same time on the opposite end of the spectrum you know i've seen a lot of specialist athletes doing barbell work in a car park you know stuff that you and i have been talking about for two three years you're now seeing olympic weightlifters having to do it in the basement car park of their flats they live in <clears throat> again redefining spaces just to get the work done i'm hoping that when this is over people will completely change the way like, like you've just said just by redefining the parameters of your space might actually change the way that you i think it's a mental shift you look at parkour for example and how they they take to any given space a few years uh, a couple of years ago i did some myself just a beginner sort of session is to understand a bit more about it i come away from that thinking how people can look at a, a set of you know a set of stairs steps and how you get over that obstacle that's in front of you is completely changed there's no difference here you just said we have i have two mats that get pulled outside there's two those two mats come out and they'll sit on the drive it might be for either dropping in and out this ball it might be for doing double unders or it might just be for putting the air bike on just because it sits a bit better but you've instantly recreated where the, what's about to happen in your mind and you've allocated set location that's going to happen yeah. it doesn't need any more than that yeah, you've created you've created the environment. I think that's the that when we think home gym, we think of this this designated area, and um, you know, for for want of a better term, um, home training environment. I mean, that's that's a bit clicky. We need to come up with something better than that. But I think that's what's most important is fostering that, creating that home training environment instead of aiming for a home gym environment because really and truly you know a, a five pound yoga mat rolled out in your living room with some chairs pulled back and you've created a and we're seeing it now we're seeing it every day on social media during this during some corona lockdown you've created your training environment you're not going to leave that mat there and just sort of 
go about your day around it once it's down like you're engaged and i think that's the most important thing is people starting there start starting where they are instead of thinking they need to do the jump straight to the finish line and you know have have the rocks three thousand foot iron paradise to, to do to get anything done right um yeah so with that in terms of kind of creating some actionable advice for people and kind of contradicting myself now and going going to kind of the extreme if space is not an issue for you like for you in a in a garage or you've got a room or you've got some house you've got something like that what would be the first three pieces of equipment that you would sort of purchase or advise people to purchase and over what sort of time period would you look at doing that would that be would that be something you factor in I'm not. I'm not going to count Florian into this again. That could completely contradict what I've just said. But if we're talking specific about kits that you can do stuff with, we're very for me, Yeah, for me it would be a set of gym rings, a kettlebell, and a strongman sandbag. Because I've got everything I could push, pull, squat with. You can mix those three bits of kit up with a run. Or with some lun or some walking lunges, or you know, you know, holds that type of stuff. You can do an awful lot with those three pieces of kit, and you're not breaking the bank in doing that. There are plenty of things out there now, and I know this firsthand. You can 0% finance that over 12 months, so you just spread the cost of say, you know, we're talking nothing more than 200 pounds there. You know, you you can spread that out over three months. It's, it's less than what you're paying to go to your gym. So for me, those would be my first three pieces of kit because then you are literally, you can do everything that you need to do to remain, you know, relatively fit. You know, this isn't going to, this isn't going to get you to the, to the Olympics or this isn't going to get you to the games or anything else. But what it would do is make sure, ensure that you are fit for purpose. And yeah, 100%. in this period, yeah, in this period of ticking over, which is how I see it, is just how can you maintain some level of strength, some level of engine capacity, so that when normality or whatever the new normality is, which we don't know yet, returns, where am I at? How far away am I from that? And, and trust me, you can do some disgusting workouts with just those three bits of care, for sure, yeah. if you challenge yourself enough. Yeah, and it, you, you mentioned there... Um, you know, with those bits of kit, you're not you're not going to the Olympics and you're you're not going to the games, uh, the CrossFit games. And I, for me, I would see the only thing uh, allowing for sort of genetic potential. The only thing missing there is kind of the the specifics. That, I mean, you can still build your you can still build your strength if you allow for the fact that three, four, five months down the road, you might purchase a heavier kettlebell or you might purchase a pair. You can still build, um, you can do some incredible sort of energy systems, development work with all that stuff. The only thing you're kind of not going to get is the very specific stuff, right? And I think that's where we get into the, the area of, yes, that is what you would recommend. And it's actually exactly what I'd recommend for someone who's looking for GPPs or general physical preparedness, staying fit, getting shape, even hypertrophy, even looking, you know, like aesthetic sort of improvements. But 
if you have more specific goals, then obviously your kit list is going to kind of deviate. But I think the important thing is being very sure of what your goals are before you start purchasing stuff. Yeah, 100%. And I think maybe what probably prompted my answer in terms of saying you, you couldn't get to the Olympics and stuff is more because I do see this period as a period of like, do what you can with what you can. Not a case of, okay, we're in this for the long haul now. We really need to rethink what, what you just said, which is the additional part, which is the bit that I go to the gym for, which is the coaching. There's enough coaching out there now. A lot of people have shifted to digital, um, which I think is something that's here to stay. That's another conversation. But I do think for some, the amount of programs you put out there for, for free, for people, you, you, you can structure that kit. And I think there's a lot to be said for structuring that kit as being the go-to set. You know, if you were your, not I wouldn't even class it as a beginner's guide, but a, a starter kit for a home gym, those would be the first three. Yeah, 100%. And I think if you're, if you're programming, if your goal is, they don't require any of that sort of specificity, then you, I don't see the, everything you just named. Like you said, it's not the beginner's pack, it's the foundations, because those things you're, gonna, you're going to keep training with forever. You know, even if you, you do decide to do stuff that's more specific and more complex, you're still going to use that kettlebell, those rings, those sandbags, and they offer, they offer a lifetime worth of training. I mean, and it's something we're seeing now. There's a lot of people who might have seen that kind of kit as very beginners, you know, because they, they've got, they train in a fully, fully stocked out commercial gym and now they're being um kind of uh, they're, they're kind of backed into the corner where this is the only kit they've got to use i think a lot of people are seeing like this this stuff is tough and there's tons of progressions and actually a lot of this stuff is maybe harder than what i was already doing in the gym i'm a big i'm a very firm believer that too much choice can actually kind of spoil you a little bit uh and you can you can work around hard work a lot of time with variety whereas if you just give someone if you just give someone a 24 kilo kettlebell and tell them to go to work it's very hard to hide if you give someone a 40 kilo sandbag and tell them to do uh, you know grace 30 cleaning jerks for time it's it's a completely different animal and it's just as hard and yet sure that might not necessarily translate, or I'd argue that it would, but it might not necessarily translate to an increase in their grace time when they get back on the barbell, but it's certainly going to give them a similar, if not harder stimulus. And that's everyone from the person who's just starting out on their training journey to, you know, the, the person who's qualified for, for regionals. If they're trying to do 60 kilo grace, it's a, uh, you know, it's very much a different kettle of fish with a sandbag. So it's not something that's necessarily for beginners. It's definitely something that's just the foundation. And like you say, for less than 200 pounds, and it's, it's odd because we kind of led this with, if space isn't an issue, we've still ended up with three bits of kit that take up next to no space and next to no budget. And I think that's really interesting. I think specifically with your particularly with your background 
there's something that I, I imagine people would have expected you to say that people would perhaps look at purchasing themselves initially, but I know that you kind of see it as possibly a bit of indulgence, which is, which is the barbell. So why, why would you not put the barbell straight off the bat? I think it's a difficult one for, for two reasons. If you're an Olympic weightlifter or a powerlifter, or, and I know we spoke about this, but you generally just, your go-to piece of kit would be a barbell, then, then by all means, this is sort of like completely, you know, you, you need a barbell for that, for sure. But for me, the, we just spoke a little bit about it there. You can pick up a sandbag and be taught within 10 minutes to safely clean and press that sandbag in a very short space time, like five, 10 minutes with, with the right guidance. With a barbell, it could be six, nine months before you're doing it efficiently, effectively, and to the, to the best of what you can do. You might have, you know, imbalances in your body that a barbell isn't as forgiving as, say, a sandbag is. So you're coming into your garage and you're trying to snatch and you've got no one around you that can sort of like, you know, watch what you're doing. You've also confined by the space. Most garage gyms are three by six meters. That's a single garage. You know, you're trying to lift in there. It's not, it's not ideal. You've got rafter heights that are anywhere between 2.1 and 2.4. If you're pressing overhead, you, some people have got to watch where they're pressing. So there's all these other confinements to lifting a barbell in this space, unless you've got the space to put a platform outside and lift. You know, it really becomes a bit more of a, a nicety to have. I feel as though my personal opinion is you leave the specialist work in the specialist place. Right. And barbells for me are a specialist bit of kit. Yeah. What so if, you are, if you are a specialist yourself, then go for it. But for sure. Yeah. For definitely. And, and likeliness is that you wouldn't have the rest of that kit because you're a specialist, but you're a barbell specialist basically. So you would have, you would have the barbell, you'd have plates, but for most people, unless you're doing, you know, you're going to then need a rig or a rack with spotter arms so that you've got someone to spot you safely. Yeah. You know, you've then eaten up on top of your barbell anywhere between another three to 600 pounds on a rack plus spotter arms, which are more on top. So instantly you've, you've not only increased the budget from just the barn bumpers themselves, you could be looking at then additional things that you're going to need to make that safe to happen. Right. For me, from my point of view, is I'm just going, there are other items there that you can get a lot out of that space for with the correct programming and then a barbell. Yes. Not everyone's going to agree with that. That's a personal opinion. But that's from what I've seen is I see these spaces as being additions to their training. Right now it's different and it's a completely different scenario because we are forced to train in there. So it's, it's the be all and end all. Yeah. But when this was before, and how I see it after, I do feel it will be in a, a space for when you can't get to the gym, in addition to the gym. Yeah. Not just to be able to end all. Completely agree. I think we'll, we'll get onto this a bit later, but I think the sort of post, post-COVID landscape is going gonna to throw up some, uh, some different options. But I think with the barbell, would you say that there, there's an issue, it's not an issue, but whereby it's kind of seen as this it, it is the icon of um of strength 
we, we think fitness, we think strength, we think a barbell. And I think that then leads people kind of down the path where they feel like, okay, cool. I'm going to get a barbell, which if you, if you want to deadlift and you, you, uh, and you want to do all that stuff, then fantastic. Obviously get the piece of kit that suits your specific style of training or your wants and needs or just what you enjoy. But if you don't have any goals so specific in mind, it can be a piece of kit that brings along with it a lot of baggage. As you say, you've, you've got the barbell. Immediately, you need additional weights to make the barbell work. Immediately, you might be constrained by space. If you don't have a rack, suddenly you have a huge barrier to entry in that in order to do any lift above your head, you now need to learn to clean proficiently. Otherwise, your clean is going to become the limiting factor, which again, if you, if, you know, if this is your bread and butter, if you're a CrossFit athlete, etc., then cool, that's fine. But for the average person, I actually do see it as a little bit problematic that you might immediately think, cool, I'm going to get some weights. I'm going to get a bar and some plates. Cause like you say, you need a rack, you need a bench if you want to bench press and the barbell brings along with it a lot of sort of additional needs that those other bits don't bring along, you know, a kettlebell, even dumbbells, a sandbag, you can get all of the same stimulus from it. Unless you, you know, unless you want specific barbell stimulus, like for the longest time, I've said with a, with a kettlebell or a pair of kettlebells and gymnastic rings, there's no, there's not a lot of programs in the world. There's not a lot of workouts in the world that you couldn't adapt to some degree or another. And I think the important thing is starting to, uh, we might be going a bit deep here, but starting to look at your workouts in terms of movement patterns versus movements and exercises. Because as soon as you say um, barbell clean and jerk, you've, very, you've narrowed the spectrum. But if you say ground to overhead and you don't specify, or you look at that movement as a ground to overhead, then suddenly you've got a sandbag ground to overhead. You can use a kettlebell clean and press. And really we're dealing with like, obviously there's going to be, there's going to be a difference in the focus and there's going to be a difference in the stimulus, but it's not as big as, as people think that difference. And if the, if the other option is do nothing, then of course you're going to go with that all day. And to be fair, all of those other modalities, all those other piece of kit, they have their own benefits as well. Um, clean and pressing with a kettlebell, much bigger range of motion, far more dynamic, uh, sandbag. It, it's so unstable. You've got that sort of really like quote unquote functional um, instability and you're going to build, you're going to build a kind of new, um, you know, you're going to, there's going to be different adaptations that you're going to get from that than you're going to get from a perfectly sort of knurled barbell with a great bar pass. So all these things have their advantage and, um, and the disadvantages. And I think the main thing, like we said, is kind of understanding that if, if your goals aren't super specific, then your kit doesn't need to be super specific. And things like the rings, kettlebell, sandbag can then they can take you a long way and you're not that that will then translate very well when you go back to the box when you go back to the gym or if you decide you want to get into olympic lifting you've built a very strong foundation and then you've just got to sharpen it by learning the technique whereas if you do it the other way around and this is this is something we see every day people who are extremely proficient on the barbell and they hurt their fingers when they pick a sandbag up 
so you, you you you're building a degree of kind of hardiness as well which i which i think is brilliant and this is a very good um you know without meaning to kind of look like i'm sort of throwing glitter on a turd here this is a very good time to actually hone hone a lot of that stuff in my opinion so if space was an issue because obviously there's people you know i lived in a flat for years and years and years and i was still training um or a house without a garden or you know people don't have garages like you say in the uk we are we're very crammed in um if space was an issue i'd imagine you're gonna kind of would would your suggestions change there at all for those first three pieces of kit definitely not i think you know there's been a lot of people put uh pull up bars around door frames so a lot of interesting issues there but you can put a set of gym rings around a door frame um and do their kettlebell in the house you know most people can clean and press one overhead and same sound like and all items can also be chucked in a bag walk to the park do your hours worth of exercise and come back so it's, you know you're not confined to anything so yeah it would definitely be the same bits of kit i don't think the space is really a, a factor in this decision i think it's more a case of flexibility movability are the, are the the key elements to why those pieces of kit would be here um maybe the only other one i'd say is probably a resistance band uh but i wouldn't necessarily say you know, maybe a resistance band over maybe the sandbag because you can still do a lot of the clean and press work with dumbbells or kettlebell. Uh, resistant band just gives you that little bit of uh, added of what you can do, you know. Yeah. And mobility yeah. and things like that as well. Hugely beneficial that a lot of people would uh, oversee. But, you know, accessory work, if you just throw that in for that, you definitely just opened up probably a little bit more. So if I was to switch anything out, I'd probably say take the sandbag out and put a resistance band in. Interesting. I'd, I'm not sure if I would go, I'm not hundred percent sure if I would go the other way. The only, the only benefit I would see of the sandbag over the kettlebell or over a dumbbell would be the sandbag. You can actually load up and down. I think that would, that, that would probably be something I'd factor in Very, for, you know, it's, it's next to nothing, isn't it? 20 kilos of sand is less than two pounds. And when you compare that to cast iron, is suddenly scaling up and down is a very cheap option. That, that would be the only thing I might look at there. I definitely think a band for the, for the cost of a band, if either, if you're just going to get one kind of maybe just go for the small red band and then you can get in your mobility work, you can do some high rep accessory work and leave the strength stuff to the heavier stuff. If you can get two, then for me, and I think for, for a lot of people, one red, one green you know thin and thick works really well because then you've got both ends of the spectrum you can still do your mobility work you can still do your high rep stuff but you can also um add a lot of resistance to say kettlebell swings with your green band and uh, to floor presses and things like that i think bands might it's odd because we're seeing it right now in the midst of all of this we're seeing a lot of people just doing stuff with bands because they happen to have them whereas i think if people were building their own home gym with um, unlimited budget, unlimited space, bands might be something they potentially overlook as being a bit specialist where they're, they're such an easy thing to have laying around. And for me, like they can be added to pretty much any movement. And like you say, the, the mobility factor, the ability to warm up, 
and getting your accessory work with them is is not to be overlooked for sure especially if you're limited on your weights and you kind of don't have that ability to warm up thoroughly like you would in the gym you know you, you see if you've got an unlimited dumbbell rack you're going to warm up with lighter weights and work your way up if you've got one kettlebell the bands then give you a kind of ability to kind of get everything primed and be safe so it's what's really interesting there is how those three same items the the sandbag the kettlebell the rings transcended both they kind of work well for if your budget is unlimited and you have loads of space or if your budget is limited and you you know you live in a small box flat you'd still recommend the same three things and i think that is a testament to the you know actually how versatile those bits of kit are well i think you can you can look at you can scale up all three pieces of kit you know like we've just said you can go from a set of rings to a pull-up bar or to a rig you can go from a sandbag if you did want to to a barbell or from a dumbbell to a barbell so everything is scalable but what i'm saying here is get into the space find what works for you the same movements are just tweakable like you said there's a big difference between saying a barbell clean and jerk or a ground to overhead i think that the point being here is give yourself room to grow understand develop in this space and home gyms aren't for everyone either i think that's a big thing is at the minute we're forced to be there so therefore it's your only way of exercising to some degree or maintain certain strength so these these pieces of kit are for again they're just good foundations and like we said the complexity of that piece of kit can change from a gym ring to a bullet bar or again sandbag to a barbell and i think it's all slideable and move up there it's the same thing and it comes back down to the, the movements specifically i just don't see the point in trying to sugarcoat it and you need to do this the only reason that you're the only purpose that you're going to pick one over the other is down to where you're at with that movement in particular if you know that bar muscle ups or uh kipping work is particularly important in your training then you're going to have to go for a pull-up bar or a rig because you need that you're not going to be able to do that with the rings you're going to be able to do ring muscle up but you know there's there's i don't know many people that are going to be able to do all that like without having extra pieces of kit added on so i think yeah i I think it's just a case of foundations and build from there yeah and the the good thing about those foundations is as we say like they go with you forever then it's not something that you're gonna use as a stopgap and then as you develop you're going to not have a need for anymore so it's about just addressing your specific needs i guess and if you don't have those specific needs then bit later foundations essentially i think is kind of what we're what we're kind of because i you know agree with you on that kit list the only the only thing i'd add because i think this will be an issue for some people and it one a point you made much earlier on is actually great here is having somewhere to do pull-ups is a quantum jump or having somewhere you can hang rings should i say or do pull-ups is a quantum jump in the amount of moves you can perform you've really doubled uh, you know particularly with pulling movements when we're looking at if we start looking at things from um a sort of movement perspective a movement pattern perspective by having somewhere you can do pull-ups or hang rings 
you have doubled, maybe even tripled the amount of pulling movements you can add in. And uh, it's a big thing that in fitness that we talk about a lot is that due to our lifestyles now, due to being at desks a lot, and maybe particularly relevant now due to being working from home, sitting at a desk, moving around a lot more, sitting on a couch a lot, maybe being more sedentary than ever, those pulling movements become more important than ever in, in terms of um, strengthening our posture and uh, keeping ourselves upright. So I think having someone to do pull-ups, that's an enormous barrier for some people. And I, I've probably, personally, I've probably been really cavalier with it at times. And I've just said to people, find somewhere. But that, that literally comes from, um, you know, a place of I've gone years and years without having a specific place to train. And the first thing I look for when I'm training in a new environment is somewhere to do pull-ups. And I really liked what you said earlier about um, parkour and you've taken some parkour, some parkour lessons and that transformed how you then look at your environment. And I think, and kind of seeing what's possible within that environment. And I think that is a great takeaway message for people in that the, the difference I see in people who are finding places to work out and finding places to, you know, specifically do pull-ups or hang rings and people who are complaining that they have nowhere to do it. It's just a shift in mindset of looking, of looking at things from a slightly different angle, you know, and I, that's where I also think rings come in really handy because a lot of places that you could maybe do pull-ups, but it's a little bit uncomfortable or maybe it's a little bit high, you know, you're somewhere in public and it's, it's a tree or, you know, it's a, you know, I spent a lot of times training in the fire escape stairwells of hotels, those things, the minute you hang a set of rings on them, you've opened yourself up to a world of, um, world of training. And I know there's still going to be people that say, you know, I live in a flat and that requires going outdoors. But unfortunately there's always, there is always going to be a degree of sort of sacrifice that you, you're going to get from sort of freeing yourself from the need to go to the gym. But that, that I just thought was a really important point in looking at your environment slightly differently and seeing what you can do from it with it. I think when you add to that is I do think some people will prefer this way of training. Like, I, me personally, all I've done is a lot of, lot of running, a lot of cycling, a little bit of yoga, and down to, and funny enough, we're very busy at work, so um, my time is limited, and that's what I choose to do, just because, you know, getting that sort of distance in the mind is, is fantastic. For a lot of people, though, like you said, not, not many people will go into this gearing up for a pandemic, but I do think people have gone actually i've got more time to spend with my family I've, i feel better for doing it this way i you know running around to get to a class at a set time doesn't really work for me i can still have the engagement with somebody online whether that be you or another trainer specifically and i can do this from home why would i want to go back to going to the gym yeah that's right but, yeah. i know a lot of benefit yeah and I know, I know a lot of people, and I would, I would agree with them. Are going to, are going to, you know, talk about the, the the community environment, the social aspect, the coaching. Obviously, you cannot. There is no substitute for good coaching, especially as you get into more complex movements. But yeah, I do think 
the there's a plethora of benefits to maybe you know it doesn't mean you have to train at home forever but having the option available to you offers so many benefits and you touched on a few of them there but more time at home when your gym is just outside you've you've cut off that half an hour travel to the gym get changed get warmed up do my workout get changed travel back you've cut out there's a lot that goes into either side of a 40 to 50 minute workout isn't there um and even even just as little as if you if you do crossfit and it's so easy to or any class-based sort of timetable based group training um endeavor you've only got to be running 15 minutes you know 15 minutes is not hard throughout the course of a day to be knocked on and suddenly you've missed your class you've missed your fitness if your fitness relies on that and it's very easy if you only train three times a week and you miss one of those sessions because of you know 15 minutes of delays in your day that's a third of your of your training and having a having a little contingency at home is you know whether we're in the midst of a global pandemic or not it's not a bad idea even even if it's no kit and it's just a few workouts that you've got in the bag that you know are gonna are gonna tide you over and again when you start looking at things from the point of view of movement patterns if you train at a crossfit box and it's a box where the programming is available online where you can you know a lot of times you can see the workout you can see the wad um all day online and you have uh, a dumbbell or you have a kettlebell you have a sandbag it's very easy if you invest a bit of time thinking and educating yourself in movement patterns or even just chat to your coach it's very easy to just recreate that workout at home and that's not to say that i think all gyms are going out of business everyone's going to train at home because or not i think gyms are going to come back stronger than ever it's just that it needn't be a necessity and it needn't be a barrier. The inability to get to a gym needn't be a barrier to you training. And I think that is what the important message is. The thing that I would take away from this is actually as people who are going to the gym and if you were to say they almost want walking through a workout because they don't want to think, they just want to go. Actually, people becoming better educated in in some form of programming. It might not be sort of serious levels or whatever like that, but they're just getting a better understanding as to basic things. So what sort of pieces of kit go together right? What movements do I need to put together? And like actually engaging more with coaches in some way because they're starting to actually want to know, well, okay, well, why am I doing this? Because if I've got to do it on my own, you're not there to hold my hand through it. I need to be able to sort of do it safely. So I think there's a lot more people actually using this time to actually learn a bit more about their own fitness. So they're not just throwing something together because they enjoy it, or they're not just going on to CrossFit main site and picking the workout of the day. They actually want to know what they can do with what they've got. And I think that's a massive benefit of people post this. will be going back in with a little bit more awareness as to A, appreciation for coaches and what they do, but also um, a bit more awareness for themselves with the kit that they've got and the movements that they can do which I think is always going to be a, a positive as well. Yeah, 100%. I think it's probably something that we didn't touch on, but a massively underrated, it's not a piece of kit, but a massively underrated aspect that you can very easily go out and acquire is um, just some education. It really is. Because I, I know when I started kind of ha 
having to train wherever I was. The only difference between me and anyone else in the same situation is that I had years and years of uh, programming experience and education that I could then, oh, okay, I can just translate this into workouts. Um, I think if you don't have that, then it can, you know, you can feel like you're, you're staring at a blank whiteboard almost. And just to give people something, uh, give people something I think might be a little bit helpful and perhaps something that we'll expand on in the future. But for me, and it, uh, literally because it's a question I get asked all the time, if I don't have any specific training in mind, or even when I do, I will write my programming in a kind of template form. And I will use uh, rep schemes and set schemes, but I will build it all around so that the rep set schemes are for whatever the specific aim is, be it hypertrophy, be it strength. But the actual movements themselves, I template. So it's not a case of, as we said before, it's not going to be a case of, let's say, 10 rounds of um, barbell push press and chin up. It's going to be 10 rounds of overhead, a vertical press and a vertical pull. So then in the past, that was a case of, well, let's just see what I've got when I, you know, depending on where I'm going, wherever, wherever I am at that time. So that might well be a, a dumbbell push press or a kettlebell push press. It might well be a handstand push up because I've got no kit. And that pull might be a chin up on a fire escape. Or it might be that I'm somewhere where I can, you know, get access to a pulley and I might do a lap pull down. Um, so by working with that loose template, I'm never drawing a blank. I'm never like, well, looks like I can't work out because I don't have a barbell and it's barbell on my, on my day. And if your goals are more specific, then that might not work for you. And it might not, it's obviously not optimum, but something we talk about all the time is a sort of sustainable sustainable is what's going to be better and sustainable beats optimal when optimal isn't sustainable so it's always better than nothing and that's just a little thing i think uh, for people to think about is your moot your what you're doing is performing movements not exercises and what, if you can kind of get your head around that that's a a big entry into being able to kind of you know fish for yourself is the phrase i think um and a little bit of time, it's all free, man. It's all on YouTube. It's all on the internet. Go on Instagram and ask me. It's so easy to figure out what these movement patterns are, what the intent, you know, what was the intended stimulus of your workout, and how can you translate that, or how can you adapt to that with what you've got? And I think that that education is, um, you know, I would I would say that while you're laying the floor while you're laying that floor in your, in your garage gym to get started, when you're finished, that's the next thing you should be doing is, is getting that, getting that sort of learning under your belt. And that doesn't, you don't have to go and do a course or qualification to do that. There's people like, there's people like myself and loads of others who have already done that bit for you and we can help. We can help. So for, for people who maybe do have, slightly more specific goals or you know a bigger budget or they've just got different things in mind at what point would you consider adding a piece of uh sort of metabolic conditioning kit and what would be your preference i i, I think uh a lot has to be a, a set, said for coming back to this concept of we're in a pandemic so the whole space of just try to bring the gym and put it back at home 
prior to that, it wasn't. I think garage gyms were very much equally becoming specialist spaces. So for some people, it was, I haven't got time to do two workouts at the gym a day. So if they're doing strength cycling in the morning and they're doing more metcon based in the evening or whatever it might be of their combination for their own programming, the garage gym becomes the additional part of their training. So it becomes a way in which you can get that extra uh, or the, the, the additional support that you need to your goals from home. So some people, I would always say, leave the strength in terms of barbells and specialist skill work at the gym where you can be coached, taken through those movements safely. If then you want to get in extra grunt work and you can be programmed from, say, your, your particular coach, make the garage gym uh, a Metcon-based space. And the reason I say that is it's much more friendly in terms of getting in there and adding in an air bike, a biker, a rower, or whatever, that you can wheel in, wheel out. It doesn't take up massive amounts of space. It just becomes a good addition that you could quite happily put an air bike with a set of dumbbells and you've literally got a horrific workout, really. And I think the, the interesting part for me is it's seen a big uprise in, in bikers. A lot more people are using that. Some people are still accustomed to a rower. Uh, for me, there's nothing worse. Uh, what's your exact term for it, AT? For an air bike? It's Satan's tricycle. tricycle. <laughs> take, take your pick. If it's got a cult imagery attached to it, then we can, uh, we can sort of assign it to air bike work. Yeah. And I think a, a lot of people, the air bike is, is a fantastic piece of kit. And, and, and I would say, you know, you couldn't go wrong with, with something like that. Metabolic space. I, if, if, if I was to look at the space again, post pandemic, and I was training at a gym and I wanted to add to it, I definitely, definitely would be looking more of a, a metabolic space um, or a, just something that I can just home skill because it, it really is a much, much better uh, environment, which is, it, you can maneuver it about. It can still be a garage. It can still have, have your, you know, your washer dryer. It can still have, you know, your tools for the garden and stuff like that. And it doesn't get in the way at all. So some people would argue, you know, an air bike would probably give you probably the most. Um, some people, a biker, I, I personally would lean towards a biker as, as somebody who enjoys cycling, a static bike, um, fantastic bit of kit. And again, you've still got those that want to look at how to improve their, if we're talking CrossFit, uh, a rower is probably the most common piece of kit that you'd still see used for qualifiers and, and that side of things. So having something like that, whereby the amount of time you'll spend in a gym on a rower is not normally that high. Not gyms don't have like tons and tons of rowers. So you might be having to hit certain, you know, RPMs or whatever it might be, but actually having a, a rower at home would let you hone that skill. Because there's a lot to be said. There is a skill for a, there's a skill for a, for a skier. Each of those particular items are very niche in some ways. But look at this as being a getting extra capacity in. So that's how I would, that's how I'd approach it. I think this is this is something I heard you um, discussing a while ago. I think with Craig Ritchie, and I, I think initially 
uh, I, I think you both kind of agreed that one of, like you've just said there, one of the first things you would do is is get an air bike and some dumbbells. And I think my initial knee jerk reaction was, oh, I don't think I'd go with a, an air bike first. But I think I was very guilty of looking at, at that through my own lens. And I think, as you say, people who are going to the gym every day and if they are uh, if they're training at a crossfit box etc they're really there's really not much value in driving to your crossfit box to sit on an air bike for half an hour so then i think you do or even an hour so that's you know that's not going to be programmed for you because there's not enough air bikes at most gyms for everybody to sit on an air bike for an hour therefore i do think you end up missing out on a lot of um really cool beneficial energy systems development work and that's why we end up in this kind of this hole of just smashing everything with metcons whereas in terms for longevity the the zone two zone three aerobic stuff is probably far more beneficial and and running as good as it is and as free as it is isn't always the um you know it isn't always um, without trying to like scaremonger and you're going to use an extreme turn it's not always the safest for people biomechanically and the more i i started thinking about you saying that i thought yeah actually it does make sense if you are going to also use a gym it does make sense to have a piece of conditioning kit at home that you can sit on and do your more long form and that's certainly something that i've started incorporating since since having a since having an air bike at home is yeah you can do the more long form stuff here where it makes sense and even if you can even if you are going to drive to let's say you train at a commercial gym or a private gym and you're going to drive half an hour to sit on an air bike for an hour and then drive half an hour half an hour home and you're going to do that regularly suddenly it's a very worthwhile investment like you say just to get one like the time investment alone um i know this is a question i get asked a lot and it's the we touched on it a bit there but the order that you would your order of preference for getting, you know, you can only have one piece of metabolic conditioning kit. Uh, I think I'm, I would agree with you that if it, if it was to only be one, then it would be the air bike. Literally because I think it delivers a low skill, huge amount of bang for your buck that's relatively safe and it enables you to kind of dance with both ends of the spectrum you can as much as nobody does anymore you can do the long form stuff i don't know how many people know this but the the first air bike was developed for like older communities to do low impact aerobics and it's hilarious how we use it now like i imagine someone just got on one and was like if you hammer this it's it's pretty cool but initially it was designed for low impact long form aerobic work for um for like older communities which is fantastic which is hilarious given what we use it for now but you can yeah also do that metabolic stuff the reason i another reason i also say the assault bike is what whatever it let's say you're into some form of competitive fitness whatever other form of cardio you conditioning machine you use be it skier be it a rower nothing will then prepare you for hammering an air bike if you've never done it before. Whereas I think if you've got an air bike and you've consistently hammered it, your, you know, your technique, we'll get into this in a minute, but you might not have good row or ski technique, but you're, you're pretty prepared for how gross it's going to feel. 
in terms of energy systems work. So I would I would always go air bike first. And this is a conversation we have all the time and you and I have all the time, but I just, I can't believe how inexpensive air bikes are for what they are. My brothers actually take the mickey out of me because sometimes we'll see other bits of gym kit. We'll see, you know, certain big treadmills like Jacob's ladders and stuff. And my knee jerk reaction is always to go, you can buy six air bikes for that. <laughs> And I, they're like, you've got to stop equating everything to air bikes. <laughs> um, but I, you touched on it there, but I would say a ski and a rower, if you know, it's, I'd say they're almost like the barbell yeah. of conditioning kit. And if, if you know that stuff's going to come up, then it's worth you, it's worth you having one. I know when, when I did my first, um, when I did the Rainhill Trials CrossFit competition, I was like, okay, look, I'm a very poor rower. So it probably is worthwhile me picking up a rower just to hone them skills. What, where I would say the benefit, uh, I've kind of compared them to our, how we were discussing the barbell earlier. The, the good thing about a rower or a ski oak though is you are still essentially doing the same energy systems work. They're a bit more specific. Price-wise, you're looking at around the same thing. So a rower or a ski, I would say next. The only thing, the only problem with those is space but i think all of these pieces of kit are they take up relatively about the same amount of space a rower you can fold up um so the only thing that's turned my eye recently is the bike erg i had no interest initially when um the first bike ergs came out i kind of just thought well, I can just let go of the handles on an assault bike and get the same effect. But as I started doing, as you said earlier, as I started doing more cycling, training for an Ironman, I really started to enjoy being on a bike erg a bit more. And the you do get a very different kind of stimulus than what you get on an assault bike. I feel like in terms of... a this is weird because it's not normally so I would not normally think of conditioning kit as being particularly body part specific, but I think the stimulus you can get from your legs from a bike erg is fantastic because you, before you get to that on an assault bike, obviously your legs are going to flood with lactic and they feel like they're made of lead, but the concept allows you to, or the, sorry, the bike erg allows you to push a bit further, I think, and kind of, sharpen that stimulus a bit more on the lower body and i I just really enjoy i've got one in the garage at the moment um but i'm borrowing it and i'm actually not looking forward to giving it back like we're really rinsing at the moment that goes into every single training chest we're on the bike it goes into every single workout we do so i think i would probably now it it would be tied for second place with a rower I'd go air bike first. The rower would only pip the air bike if I knew I had to do something sort of CrossFit related or something where the rower is going to come up. But I do, I definitely think air bike first and foremost would be the be- the best investment for you. And then you, at the end of the day, you can always buy, if you're a cyclist, you can always buy a turbo trainer for your bike. And even if you're not a cyclist, if you go down the route of getting a turbo trainer and buying a bike, you've now got something you can also ride outside. So I think that's worthwhile. That's some definitely something for people to keep in mind as, as awful as riding on a turbo is 
you have then got something that you can write outside. So that's oh, definitely that's cool. I think the, the, the biker, the amount of people I've seen in front of the TV on a biker, like you wouldn't come in a row in front of the TV or ski in front of the TV. We definitely wouldn't air bike in front of the TV, that's for sure. Uh, people are sort of see it, I don't know, they see it a little bit differently, like as an, in, an indoor bike, whereas I still feel that all the others are gym specific and people see them in the gym. Not that that should be a reason why you should or shouldn't buy one. I do think there's um, a lot of people seeing static bikes as being, again, it's, it's relatively low scale to some degree. It's not as grunt work as an air bike, for sure. Air bikes are by far and away. Bang for buck. You can't hide on an air bike. You really are in it, and it's the hurt locker. Everything else, there's a bit of technique to it. Um, yeah, for me, air bike, bang for buck, then I'd very closely put the, uh, put the bike over for me. But that's a personal preference. I enjoy cycling, and, and for sure, people who are out there prefer rowing or whatever it might be is there. Uh, own personal choice um i think they're, they're pretty tied but i think you know there's a lot to be said for the bikers come out of nowhere i mean we're bringing one out ourselves right now it's due next month and to, to have very skeptical about it at first did a lot of testing with it and actually now it's something that i would yeah i do see as being it's going to change you know if you think about the price point of under a thousand pounds before that, the next the next level up static bike was at like two and a half. So, okay, I don't look at it as how many air bikes you can get for the same amount of money, but it's in compared to like you say, for me, it's bringing commercial grade kit into the home at a price which is okay. It's an investment, but you'll happily go spend nine hundred pounds on a road bike. So there's no difference here if you're going to get a lot out of it. Yeah, I, I think you just touched on it there. And this is kind of something that's going to seemingly contradict my sort of ethos on things and my kind of make do and it doesn't need to be expensive, blah, blah, blah. But I do think, um, and this is not just because it's you and I talking, I do think with conditioning kits specifically, just by the brand, um, I have seen so many but I've, you know i've used them myself where people have gone and they they've they've just said rowing machine and you 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 go to argos and you you buy a rowing machine for a hundred pounds and it's just not ergonomic there's a reason you know there's a reason the big big companies have survived as long as they do when people are offering an alternative at 10% the price it's that it's nowhere near 10% as good and even if it means you've got to buy second hand I understand I you know more than anyone I understand budget is a constraint for people um I just I think if you're not going to buy the concept rower if you're not going to buy the the bulldog fan bike you're, you're almost better off just not doing it don't you know don't waste your money on the 200 pound version because you're going to have the 200 pound version. And I know that's not for me, that's not a, that's just not a snob factor because you know, I, you know me, I'm, you know, I, I make stuff. I don't care what I train with. Um, this is literally a case of it is a waste of money. You know, they say buy cheap, buy twice. Um, and this is a case of buy cheap, use once, never use again. And, uh, my um oh he's gonna hate me for saying this and I, he's gonna text me two seconds after listening to this but my dad has bought some stinkers of rowing machines in the past when we were growing up 
um, and you, you kind of get on them and you feel like you're on a skateboard pulling a bike in a tube and that's it. And I get, you know, I get, I do understand budget constraints, but you can get stuff secondhand relatively cheap. And my, my, I think the takeaway, what I'm trying to say here, the takeaway point is unless you're going to get the concept, unless you're going to get the bulldog, just don't do it. You're better off not doing it. And one thing I would, I would add to the sort of the end of this is just go and buy skipping rope then. You know, if budget, it really is. Budget really is a, um, a constraint. Get yourself, a, get yourself a speed rope or get yourself a heavy rope or get yourself both for still sort of 10% the cost of less than a piece of conditioning kit and learn and learn to learn to, learn double unders get comfortable with doing fast singles learn to learn to crisscross um there's a lot you can get out of a rope yeah for sure you you've hit the nail on the head i mean <clears throat> i think people there've been i think there's a lot of benefits what crossfit have done for the fitness industry and in bringing items either back or bringing items back to the forefront of what we do or see or perceive value people maybe aren't aware of like the research and development work that goes into bringing something like that to market like we've we've tried to work with people to develop other rows just to see and to be honest nothing comes close to concept two on that front uh the closest that i'll say is like we've just brought a bike out and or about to and you know they're on a par and it that was a real for us is We've put a lot of time to that. We just brought our new treadmill that took, you know, a lot of time to develop and find the right one that if you're going to put your brand to it, like you don't want to, you don't want anything coming back. Like you want it to go once and that's it. And because you know, a concept to equivalent or other brands are specifically for bikes and things like that are that good. What we have been able to do is, get out there, do the development work and show people that actually there are good alternatives out there now. And there's a big difference though between, like you say, uh, buying one from a supermarket or, a, you know, an Argos of this world at 200 pounds and say just under a thousand pounds, there's a reason. There's a massive reason and a massive difference in build quality, you know, when things are being tested, we, you know, you need to know how, how long, how many, how many steps has a treadmill taken in its testing? Has it been like 10,000 miles or what? Because realistically, this kit gets hammered. So when it's in for a home gym, you're literally being able to now, what was considered, um, I'd say the Globo gyms of this world, they no longer, that kit you would never have brought home. But that's sort of like, not necessarily old hat, I think it serves its purpose for a lot of people, but now we're seeing affordable kit coming into the home, which is enabling people to, it's the same stuff that the elite athletes are using, whether they're in CrossFit or whether they're in their specific sports, they're all using the same stuff now. And that. Yeah, I really, and again, you know, this is, this is not me trying to sugarcoat anything. And I appreciate the severity of the current situation, but I think allowing you know, take away sort of the business impact this is going to have on the fitness industry. I think on a personal level, on an individual level, um, 
there's going to be a lot of good come out of it in terms of people reassessing their priorities, whether that be people finally understanding how important their gym is to them and that, that being a big boost in them committing to going there more or, you know, being more invested in the process at the gym and on the other side of the spectrum, people reassessing what they're able to do at home. And this isn't a kind of, you know, a middle finger up to, to gyms. This is kind of allowing individuals to find a space themselves where they can flourish, which ultimately for me is the more important thing. Cause there's a lot of people out there that force themselves into the gym. They force themselves into the gym because they feel like it's what they've got to do. They feel like it's the only way they can do it, you know, for various reasons. And that those are the people who you'll see, they'll put their headphones on and they'll put their head down and they'll go and they'll go and do the incline walk or the stationary bike and they'll leave because they've been kind of, you know, there's an industry around getting these people into the gym and they're, they're uncomfortable there and they're not, com- they're not going to find the more, you know, however people want to train, that's their business. I don't, don't discriminate, but they're not going to go and find the fun of doing something, you know, doing something with dumbbells, doing with barbells, because perhaps they don't have the confidence. Whereas I think in this time where a lot of like amazing professionals are putting out incredible resources for nothing that now people are seeing for the first time, perhaps they're seeing them going, Oh, I can do much more and I don't even have to go to the gym. And that for me is like an incredible upside. You know, if one person, if one person can see one Instagram post that I do or anyone does and they go, you know what? I'm going to buy a dumbbell. I'm going to buy a kettlebell because I, you know, I feel like I can jump on the weights now because I'm, I'm not in a gym and I don't feel like I'm going to embarrass myself. But suddenly there's these resources that have popped up to help me learn to do it properly or, you know, to the best of my ability. That to me is a win, like an incredible win. Um, and I think this, what this comes down to in this whole discussion we've really had is about breaking the mold of what we think a home gym is, because I think that mold is, um, can be a barrier to entry to people. They think they need it all. And, you know, you're sitting there as someone with a vested interest in them thinking they have it all, they need to have it all saying, start with the gym rings, sandbag and a kettlebell. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's a testament to how important those foundations are. Definitely. And I think to add to that is like my, 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 thoughts are for gyms is like i'm not saying to people that home gym is now the route for gyms are going to die because i don't think that's the case but what i would say to gyms is for me is like treat these home gyms as satellite gyms for yourself and become engaged in a way whereby people's memberships may change a little bit they might sort of like reduce them down to only doing sort of two or three a week because to be fair for the next for however long when gyms do reopen they're not going to be the same. How can you keep a place, you know, in, in terms of like a virus, how do you keep somewhere, you know, super clean, contact minimum in community space gyms, sort of like CrossFit, but it's going to be very difficult. So what you can do and what you have been doing probably in this pandemic has been to sort of like home gym workouts. Don't just instantly think that that's going to become by the by and be gone. Keep that in place for people, you know, people will still want to be invested in what you deliver 
And therefore, if you can then add that into your arsenal as that, right, we're now a combination of physical and digital as a product, these people are still locally who, who have built relationships with um, gym and coaches like the way coaches do certain things or like the way that certain coaches program. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to be, right, I can be with you a few days a week, but because of the way this is, I want to limit my risk should we say. Therefore, if I can still get your coach in, in some format to do stuff from home, and I don't know whether that's going to be online programming or a sort of, like we said, for me, why don't gyms set up a, you know, foundations, pack, kit, guide, etc. that they can work off and they can just plug that into when they've got, that's going to be a long way to sort of saying, we're adapting to this situation too. And we accept that people aren't going to be in these gyms as much as what they were before. Definitely. And I don't think it's a negative. I think if anything, moving forward, that just adds an incredible amount of value. And it shows that you're recognizing, you know, for me, from a coach's perspective, you're recognizing that the most important thing, obviously you need, you know, you need people through the door because you've got a business to run, but you're recognizing that the primary concern between you as a coach and that individual is their progress. And I think by, I think comp train have actually done this fantastically at the moment and it's something that could easily be rolled out moving forward so comp train released the email out their daily workout and throughout this entire thing from word dot they've released the workout and the home gym version below it and what that you know i know on a coach's behalf is a little bit more work but that is something that could carry on moving forward and then when like i say you log in you see the workout today. Look, I'm running 20 minutes late. I'm not going to be able to make it. I'm just going to crush the workout at home. And you touched on it. You touched on it there. And it's something I've seen uh, Deuce's gym in California do. Offer a package. You know, come to come to someone like come to you. Come to Bulldog. Put together a package with a sandbag, a, a kettlebell, and rings, and offer it. Offer it as a service. Offer is look, you, you know, you come, do you want the home gym package? This is going to enable you to also, you know, you've got your membership. If you want to, if you want to purchase these bits on top or go out and find, you know, find the kit yourself, remember that every day as part of your membership, you're going to receive the home gym version of the WOD. And it's a little bit more work on the coach's behalf, but I think moving forward, it's going to provide so much value that eventually the people not doing it are going to be the ones that sort of fall by the wayside against the people who who are saying okay i'm not i'm not saying you have to be in my gym in order to get fit let's work together to find a solution all right this is where i think it's you know i'm i'm a big believer in finding the upside and finding the you know the next actionable step and i think moving forward from this building on this that is going to be an incredible resource if you can furnish someone with the ability to do exactly the same work they would be doing you know to some degree i'm allowing for coaching and things like that obviously that's something as a coach i think is massively important um, but if you're going to allow someone if you can give someone that redundancy as a professional yourself and you can give them that guidance what an amazing piece of value you're adding there what an amazing resource and what a show of faith and what a show of um kind of integrity and interest in your client's goal versus just getting them into your De gym 
I think that, you know, that, that I think will be a big, big thing. Anything that, that, that sort of says more about community than anything to me, which is quite, you know, and I think that's a, a huge thing to where home gyms for, for me at the moment are probably seen as the devil to most gyms, obviously not given the current situation, but actually if they can embrace them and work with them and embed them into their same culture, then you, the, yeah, just own it. That's it. Just own it. Like uh, accept it. And then that's what it's all about. This for me is this, what this break in the mold is about is about understanding. It's not an either or. And if both camps can accept that, and if both camps can, you know, meet in the middle, then you've got some, you, you're just increasing the opportunities for everybody to better themselves. That, you know, that, you know, I know for us, that's what it's all about for sure. And hopefully, you know, some of the stuff we've sort of um, spoken about there can help on that, on help on that journey also. I'd hope that, right. I've got some, uh, some quick fire questions just to sort of, I think it's mainly going to double down on the stuff we've discussed, but what I'm keen to do is just create some kind of really actionable next steps for people. So, you know, thank you for investing an hour plus of your time here. Here's what you can do next. And uh, I think we're going to agree on a lot of it, but I think well, we'll see. So Ian, for you, what's the most bang for your buck investment? So one piece of kit or whatever it may be for under a hundred pounds. Kettlebell. Just think well-rounded. You can do absolutely everything with it. You can probably even get two kettlebells for under a hundred pounds. So Definitely, definitely a kettlebell. It gives you the most uh, range of range of movements to perform, and um, if if nothing else, you 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 can, you, know, so you can press, you can clean it, you can hinge from it, you can squat with it, you can do everything apart from pull. I'm sure you'll have a way you can pull with it, but like on the whole, that would be my number one go-to bit of kit for under hundred pounds. Yeah, 100%. I would agree with you on that one. And just to add a little coach's perspective on that, if you're if you're going right now to purchase a kettlebell for under £100 or whenever they're available, um, I would say pick a bell that you can strict-ish, push-ish press overhead five times. Your overhead press is probably going to be, of your big movements, it's probably going to be your limiting factor. So make sure you can do it, but you don't want to be able to do it kind of if you pick a weight that you can overhead press 20 times, it's not going to give you much stimulus in the squat and in the swing and in the deadlift. So aim for something that you can overhead press about five times and build on that. And then that's what it's all about. If you can take that weight and work up to the point you can overhead press it 20 times, that's progress. That's progressive overload. And that's what, you know, that's the, that's the king. And you can get that out of one kettlebell. Um, the only thing I would say, you said two kettlebells. I think, People are probably wondering why we're saying kettlebell and not dumbbell. For me, they're fairly interchangeable. The only thing a kettlebell does that a single dumbbell doesn't do very well because of the center of mass is swing. And I do think swing gives you a nice dynamic hinge that um, you know gives you a lot of stimulus without a lot of weight. But if I did have to have two of something, I would probably go with a pair of dumbbells. I'd go with a pair of dumbbells and a single kettlebell. Um, but I'd agree most bang for your buck for under a hundred pounds. For me, I'm going to say sandbag just literally because you can load it up and down. Uh, 
what is one piece of kit that you think people might overlook that you think would make a huge difference? I would go the sandbag for that. I would go for a sandbag for that. Um, I think there's been a bit of a resurgence in sandbags lately. Um, I think some of the work that we've done specifically together has massively probably helped that. I think overlooked, I mean, if you get a strongman sandbag from us, for, for example, it, it ships for next to nothing. You can fill it up yourself. You can, can change the weight balances. You can add sand. You can add mulch. You can work around how you can control that weight up and down. So often uh, people, for me, if you're looking for barbell specific, it gives you a nice sort of niche hybrid of, of what you can do for that. Um, that people will often go, oh, you know, I'm, I'm only going to do, you know, clean and press with a barbell. Well, actually, you don't need to. You can do that with a sandbag. So I'd probably say a sandbag for this one for sure, just because I think it's becoming less strongman-esque and actually um, or out-and-out condition. It's sort of this hybrid between the two, which I think you're getting a lot, a lot, of, a lot of value out of. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think I wouldn't have thought of that because this is weird i wouldn't have thought to answer with the sandbag because i would instantly think of the sandbag as an essential piece of kit but i think you're right a lot of people wouldn't necessarily it's not something you see in commercial gyms so like you say i think the, what happens is people will have this idea of bringing the gym home and if you don't see them in commercial gyms you're not likely to kind of factor them in so yeah i do think people might overlook that whereas it you know re really and truly it should be uh where you start for me i would say um i would say bands and i'm i'm looking at that from a point of view of i would never and i know you know a lot of people who are similar to me would not go out and get bands because they're going to see it as you know this is the these are for kind of booty building workouts and stuff like that they use bands at west side you know they you know elite fts the, you can do so much of your accessory work with bands without having to purchase a single other piece of kit. You know, you don't have to then go and get loads of sets of dumbbells. You can hugely um, change the strength curve. You can kind of level up the movements you're already doing just by adding a band to them. And I would say if you're someone like me who is very lazy with your warm ups and mobility, uh, bands do give you some things you can do very quickly, very easily that are going to get you moving. And like we said earlier, if you don't have access to a huge amount of weights, they can go a long way to helping you warm up against resistance before you come up against your like one heavy cowbell. Okay. Uh, last one. What is one piece of advice that you would give to anyone about to start this kind of journey of kind of taking ownership and, um, you know, building this home gym environment. If there's only one thing they could take away from today, what would you like to double down on? I, I would say build progressively. Like a lot of people want to jump straight in and get the all singing, all dancing, which, you know, it's great. If that's what you want to do and you've got the money to do it, fantastic. But for the majority, I would say, get in the space, get a feel for the space, know how it's going to work, how it's going to work for you. Like we've spoke about different, you know, perspectives of, of actual training. Is this an additional to your training? Is this your only form of training? And um, they're massively different. Like 
they'll completely rework your space. So, you know, these these gyms are commercial grade at home. So then, although they're not going to be super cheap, they're not, they are sort of in a, a parable amount to what you'd be paying for your gym membership as such. So for me, if you build with one piece of kit and second piece of kit and third piece of kit, you'll grow with the space as opposed to doing something whereby it's the, the old concept of like, you know, move all your furniture and then, then you decide to decorate. No, in this instance, it's more a case of build a block at a time, build the foundations and build from there. Your space will then work with you. And as your training progresses, it will become something else. And it might eventually become the whole singing or dancing space, but you've done it in a way whereby there's that much information out there from coaches like yourself that will tell you, you know, you need this or we'll work with that. You can adapt, overcome with changes of bits of kit for specific movements. The only real huge, huge investment is going to be some piece of conditioning. You know, that's the one that's going to be a big, big seller. So if you know from the off that this is a, an additional to your training, then, you know, you know, that's going to be your go-to piece of kit and build around it, but progressively load the gym and, and let it, let it work with you because you can do a lot with nothing. And, and that as you become more specific and build and build, and build, it will become as much as your living room to you. You'll spend just as much time in there. Right. Yeah. I think even if you do have an unlimited budget and unlimited space, there's no downside to doing it that way. And just kind of building bit at a time you can do like we've, we've addressed this. You can do a tremendous amount of work with next to nothing. And if you then decide, and this is exactly how sort of, you know, I built up and a lot of people I know have done organically, you get to the point where you're like, Oh, I could do with adding that and add it then add it when you need it. Don't, think you need to start with it and i think even if you can afford to go whole hog from the get-go there's going to be a lot of things you don't end up using that might even become a hindrance space-wise so there's no drawback to starting with the bare minimum you know if you've got an unlimited budget there's nothing to say you're going to do three workouts with that basic stuff and go you know what no i need a pec deck and you're going to go buy you know you can do it then but don't do it from the get-go yeah i would i would 100 agree with that for me one piece of advice i would give to anyone would be just going back to that the sort of environmental cues it's have you know don't create an environment that's conducive to hard work um if you've got an all singing all dancing gym with every piece of kit but it all kind of folds away and compartmentalizes and you have to take it all apart you're probably going to use all of that stuff way less than the pair of dumbbells that you can leave by the front door simply because you you're making it easy for yourself you know make it easy to create that environment if you don't have if you don't have a set space then have a ritual you know, and, uh, and we don't think about this a lot but walking into the gym is your ritual the minute you're in there you're in there to do nothing but train um I went out, I got the other day, it was, you know, we're in the, we're in the Corona big, long spaced out social distancing queues. I'm going into Tesco's and then there's rolls of turf outside. I've never really noticed them before. It's like 30 pound for a four meter roll of turf. Just bought one to see what it was like. If you, if you train out on your patio or something like that for 30 pounds, get yourself a roll of turf, roll it out. There's your training environment. 
you're ready to go. When that turfs out, you're training. And that, that can be anything. That can be a yoga mat. That can be your kit itself that maybe goes in a cupboard. And once it's out, your environment is set. But for me, it's about making it as easy and accessible as possible. You can have all the kit in the world, but if you have to store it in your loft, then maybe you were better off with the one kettlebell that you can leave out in the garden all year round. And yeah, just do the things that make it easy and accessible. Tell you what, that's a, that's a as giveaways give you there. You've got a, a lot of approaching a home gym for absolutely everything from a home gym owner to a gym owner to how you should do it. I think we, I don't think there's many more bases we could cover there. 100%, yeah. Anyway, uh, thanks a lot for your time, Ian. Appreciate it. And um, yeah, thank you, thank you everyone for listening in. And uh, yeah, we look forward to um, sharing more in the future. Cheers. Nice one. Okay, well, that's it for episode one, guys. Uh, thanks for listening in. What a conversation that was. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at ludus.gram or you can search for ludus on youtube anywhere you're listening feel free to like and subscribe again a huge thank you to bulldog gear for sponsoring this episode you can find them at bulldoggear.eu and if you follow the links you can find access to resources from today's show including a downloadable guide giving you something to pour over a bit in your own time with links to some of the things we discussed here today. Thanks a lot, guys. That's all from me.